Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascend Student Ministries Anchor Podcast. Today we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It reads, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone, for the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing I will continue to do, in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's of no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. I repeat, let no one think me foolish." But even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. What I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool, since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with me, fools, being wise yourself. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I'm talking like a madman, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, dangers in the wilderness, danger at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many sleepless nights, and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of the anxiety for all the churches." Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Eretus was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. So, Chad, here in chapter 11, we get a big understanding of the conflict that Paul is dealing with as these people are coming to really claim themselves as super apostles, that they have better and bigger things than Paul. They're more majestic. They're better looking. They've got all these reasons that people should follow them instead of Paul. And Paul really wants to focus them in on the truth 
of what's taking place and why it's not about all these big flashy things. But something that's really big that he brings up in here, and I think that any time we see Satan mentioned, it's something that is kind of going to jump off the page at us. Because obviously, if Satan is involved in this, it must be a pretty big deal. So let's talk a little bit here in verse 14 about what it means that Satan is disguising himself and that he's working through possibly individuals like this to try to bring down the cause of Christ here in 2 Corinthians. Yeah, so when we look at this passage and even to understand like Satan disguising himself is that what he's trying to illustrate is that, hey, just because something looks good, because it might be appealing to you, doesn't necessarily mean it's good. What we find with Satan, and I think this is what you find throughout scripture, is that Satan is not, he's not going to just come right out and just be like, hey, he wants to stop following God, stop following Jesus, do this. Like, that's not, even when you look in the garden, like his appeal, he starts off with questions. And what he gets into is actually questioning God. It's like, ah, is that really what God said? Or is that really what, you know, the reason he's doing this is to keep you from something better. And so I think when Paul's like actually coming to these Corinthians and really unpacking this and about these false apostles like man it seems so good it seems it's actually like first Timothy talks about tickling your ears like there's something that's appealing in that for that message and that's what Satan do he's trying to appeal to not get you to follow him or worship him he's getting you to not follow God not follow scripture and honestly I mean as students um, and really anybody there's so many appealing messages in this world and we think about Satan. Satan. Satan's an individual. He, he's not like God. He's a finite being. But he does have a kingdom. He does have philosophies. He is one driving appeal, the worldly philosophies of this world, to detract from God, to pull us away from God, to not keep us from following God or even questioning God. And so what I would say is that that's the same thing Paul. Paul has some hard messages for the Corinthians, hard things, but it's hard things for holiness and righteousness. And whatever these false apostles are doing, it's like they, they want to pull the Corinthians in a different direction. When we look at it, like Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, it just shows that Satan wants to pe- appeal. He wants to look appealing. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to be diverted. And so when he says in verse 15, so it's no surprise if his servants also disguise them as servants of righteousness, their end will correspond to their deeds. He means like anybody that's going to promote things other than the gospel things that go against god's word is it's not going to be outright like blatant at first you're going to have to actually do digging but you're also going to have to know the word to actually discern it and so when you're considering your own life the things that you might listen to or the things that you might read or what your friends might be saying or what you're even being taught in schools at times you have to be somebody who knows the word who can discern through that Because if you don't, you could be pulled away by something that's seemingly appealing. But as you can even see in the end, that their end will correspond to their deeds. Meaning, like, if you follow things that are pulling you away from God, it ultimately is going to lead to a path of destruction, a path apart from Him, a path apart from just the joys and the blessings. It's going to mean that, uh, and so you have to be considering those things, so that, again, you don't get tantalized or appealed into actually going off track and finding yourself 
in sin or foolishness. And so I know like going through school and I was a part of, you know, public school and it doesn't really matter what school you're in. But I know like really the things that pulled me more into sin wasn't what I was being taught. It wasn't my science classes teaching evolution. It wasn't uh, necessarily philosophies like that. It was more of what my friends were talking about, what my friends thought would be better and even the what would appeal to my sinful heart. And so when I was listening to those messages, knowing what God's word said and following those things, that's when I found like, man, this life is hard. Yet I still, then we look for the next appealing thing, the next thing that I thought was best. And so that's where you have to be reminded. It's like, what's your heart pulled to? What do your desires and what things will, you know, be tempting for you to actually follow and not to just give in, but actually to resist and consider, okay, but what does God's word say about this? What does God want for me to do? And how does he want me to follow him? And so I think that's important for any student and really anybody in life. So I don't know, what are, what are your thoughts as you're thinking about things that might have deceived you, Lee, um, that maybe caused stumbling in your life? Yeah, so one of the first things that I think about here and like drawing my attention to this thought is actually uh, an illustration from um, the Amazon series, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. And it's uh, something I'm a huge Tolkien fan, love the Lord of the Rings, these different things. But really the way that they've started the story and the way that they actually introduce this one character, everybody makes these huge assumptions that this person is um, a former king. And so everybody makes these assumptions that that's who this person is, but he never claims it. He never says anything about himself. He never does anything. And he actually turns out to be the enemy that they're trying to fight rather than the person who's on their side. And so the way in which he carries himself, the way in which he looks, when people aren't discerning, when they're not asking those questions, when they're not seeking out truth in that, they make all of these assumptions and end up saying, yeah, let's follow this guy. Let's do all of these things. But he's actually their enemy. He's not the person that they think he is. He's the exact opposite. And so when I see that disguising, number one, I want to say, hey, I understand it can be tricky. Let's understand that. If it was easy and obvious and Satan always came with us with a pitchfork and pointy ears with little horns and stuff, we would always know, hey, this is Satan. I'm not supposed to listen to him. But it's never that easy. It always comes shrouded in something else, always comes twisted into deception, making it so it's so much harder for us to work through what's going on. And so a lot of times for me, like you've said, it comes through people that you trust or people that you think have it all figured out or all put together or people you're not wanting to disappoint. And so that's when compromise comes. That's when, well, I know God says this, but starts to creep into your mind and makes it so that you start to twist and pervert what the gospel is. It's obviously a serious issue here for Paul because he's addressing it here. And most importantly, because it's these leaders that are doing it and the way that the leaders have the opportunity to divert the whole work of God in this area is so significant, but we shouldn't underscore the importance of that same type of event in our life to say, hey, when I hear something, am I taking it back to God's word? Do I understand even what God's word says on these types of things so that I could make an educated statement, so that I could know how to respond? Or do I just even have maybe some people that I could at least 
use as wisdom and use as people who could help to point me to a better direction than maybe what's being laid out before me. And so that's something I really wish I knew when I was a lot younger is number one, we're not going to always know everything that's coming at us is ultimately, hey, this is cut and dry, black and white all the way through. Things are going to come. They're going to be messy. They're going to try to trip us up. We have to understand that we have to be wise. We have to be discerning. We have to be on guard and that we're never going to be able to do that all by ourselves. We need other people in our lives. We need other wiser people who have gone before to help us to navigate that. And that allows us to live in the fullness of what God is giving to us and allows us to learn and grow and be shaped by him to be what he is wanting to use. And I feel like that's really where Paul gets here in the second half of this session. In the second half of this chapter, he really starts to focus on the fact that, yeah, these people, these super apostles are saying, well, yeah, we're pretty great. And Paul's really not. And he really gets to the point of saying, yeah, you're actually right. If you're going to define it in those terms, I'm not the greatest. But let me tell you what types of things I put into my spiritual account to show that I am being used by God and that God is working through my weaknesses to put himself on display to the people around us. And so we really just want to set this up here in chapter 11 because we're going to pick it up here a little bit more in chapter 12. But as we as we get into this aspect of what he's focused on here in these verses, what is it that sticks out to you, Chad, about what he's saying is the basis or the foundation for the way in which he can say, yeah, I know God's using me. Here's how that looks. So when you when you start looking at that, I mean, he starts going through just his personal qualifications. This is what I love about Paul is Paul's not shy about who he was before Christ. Like, he even talks about here, hey, I'm a Hebrew. Like, and if you're thinking about like status, uh, he comes from the right genes. He comes from there. Then he goes on and says, I'm an Israelite. And he's like, so am I. Like, again, showing that status that, I mean, he's one of the chosen people. Um, He is an offspring of Abraham. But then he goes into this thing and he says, and notice how he just gives you three word answers. So am I, so am I. But then he gets into, are they servants of Christ? And this is where he starts unpacking what it looks like. And you would think like, Paul's like, all right, here's the miracles I've done. Here's the sicknesses I've healed. Here's all the things I've been given so much in God's word. And I've been able to just teach so many people and look at the churches I've built and look, but he doesn't. He actually goes, look how I've persevered through suffering. I'm actually being resisted all the time. I'm being stoned. I'm being beaten. I'm I'm experiencing being shipwrecked. Like he is going through some massive trials in his life. And he's reminding like that I'm weak, but it's actually, and he's going to get more into chapter 12, but it's like the power of God is behind it because of what he's doing, despite these trials and tribulations, despite my own weaknesses. And so he's going to boast. I'm going to boast about the things that are going wrong and hard in my life and where I'm weak because it shows Christ and his work more and puts him on center stage and on display. And I think that's part of the Christian life. Like you, when we talk about the Christian life and oftentimes you hear like it's the abundant life and it is, it's an incredibly abundant life, but probably not in good terms with we would put abundant. It doesn't mean ease. It doesn't mean that it's going to just uh, have you know lots of wealth or we're going to be really healthy and we're not going to get sick. or No, it doesn't mean any of those things or that we're going to avoid trials or be taken out of trials by following Jesus. Like 
Now, actually, what the Christian life, how it's abundant, is abundant in grace and abundant in power. It's abundant in strength, meaning like when you don't think you're able to do it or you don't know how, that it's God going to actually show up in your life to give you that guidance, to give you that wisdom through his word. It's also giving you the strength to do it because life's hard. Everybody, every person is going to go through life and it's going to have its hardships. It's going to have its difficulty. My, maybe not the level of Paul. I still haven't been shipwrecked. I don't know about it. Maybe Lee has. I haven't been beaten 40 times or less than one, 39 times. So I haven't been beaten in that way. Uh, but I think we both can reflect that life's hard. And I, I don't, I, one, want to sympathize with any of you who are going through hardships. And it's not to discount the hardships of life. Um, in fact, I think maybe at times as Christians, we go too light on really sympathizing with what people are going through. And as a counselor, I've walked through people that have gone through extreme hardships who have been sinned against greatly. And you might be one of those people. And what I would say, it's, it's not to make light of those situations. It's to show that God is always, He is present with you. He is one when we trust in Him and see the salvation in Him is that He's going to give assurance maybe when you're feeling shame because of how somebody sinned against you. He also gives you the forgiveness when you actually seek after Him no matter how great the sin. It also is a reflection of that He is one who is going to stay with you no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what choices you make. And so you have to stay and walk and stay in harmony with Him. And really that abundant life comes, It's as Paul's outlining here, it comes because of what he does with you and how he helps you through your trials versus how he's going to take you out of a trial because he might not. He might not take you out of a trial. But I also say there, there's oftentimes grace we don't see, and we'll talk about this more in chapter 12, but you really are going to have to look for grace. You're going to look after grace, not only what he's doing within you and not only come from you, but also the people around you. And so sometimes you're in situations where you need others' help, whether that is to overcome sin. Maybe you're a victim in some way and you need somebody help from people to give you wisdom or protection or do something to invoke that in your life um, because that's part of God's grace. And oftentimes what we can happen is we actually don't access the grace that he's given. So make sure that you're thinking about that, uh, thinking about that as we get in chapter 12 and think about, okay, what grace do I need to be accessing in my life? Whether that's through prayer through reading God's word, through faithful living, and also with people and the church and with other friends who will actually faithfully come alongside you in those situations to help you uh, be pointed in Christ. And so that's kind of my thinking as we finish here. So just as you were talking there, Chad, the big word that kept coming into my mind was perspective. And so having the proper perspective, the people had a perspective that these false apostles were better than Paul. Paul understood a godly perspective of what was taking place. And he said, I have a godly perspective of what is valuable in my life. And so as we reflect on that today, I I leave that word with you to reflect on. Do you have a godly perspective on your life? Are you able to discern about those things that truly matter in your life? Are you able to understand that, like Chad's been saying, the perspective of God means that you might be asked to endure the trial rather than be taken out of it. And so do you have that perspective? And if not, where can you look to gain and to grow in having that perspective as you walk forward in faith today? Know today you are loved. 
you.